Lord, we come to you this morning, praising you for the wonder of who you are, for the beauty of who you are, for the glory of who you are. There are just not enough superlative words to talk about you, Lord. You are beyond all beauty. You are marvelous in all your ways. We thank you for the privilege of worshiping such a God. In this place this morning, we come before you on bending knee giving thanks what you've done in our lives and what you're doing in our lives and the way you've directed us in our lives this week. Thank you that the circumstances are never overwhelming to the point that we cannot move forward because of our faith in you because of who you are. Help us to love other people, to extend your love through our hands and our feet and our listening ears and perhaps our voices if we need to be saying something. The Lord direct us in all things. Help us to count it a privilege to your child, and may we share your great love forever and ever. In Jesus' name. much more likely to identify with the words of Job, who said, when God passes me, I cannot see him. When he goes by, I cannot perceive him. Or again, when Job said, if I go to the east, he's not there. If I go to the west, I do not find him. When he is at work in the north, I do not see him. And when he turns to the south, I catch no glimpse of him. It wasn't that God wasn't there, but rather in his pain or loss, Job didn't know where he was. He couldn't perceive his presence. You may not feel him, but that really doesn't matter because his presence is 
never based on your feelings. It's based on his promise. And Jesus has clearly promised, I will be with you always to the very end of the age. Like Job, your situation may be dire, your life may be a mess or getting worse, but as far as whether he is with you or not, that doesn't matter either because God's presence is never determined by your circumstances. It's based on his word. And his word clearly says that the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. So do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. God's promise to be with his people is the most frequent promise in all of Scripture. Never doubt. It's just often made a commitment to follow Jesus. He is in your life. God is with you no matter how you may feel at the moment. He's with you no matter what may be happening around you or to you. And as the psalmist realized, even though I may be walking through the valley of the shadow of death, even there you are with me. As theologian and writer Frederick Buchner said, there is no event so commonplace that the God is present with you, always hidden, always leaving you room to recognize him or not. Because in the last analysis, all moments are key moments in life itself. The French spiritual writer Jean-Pierre de Cassad said, each moment is a revelation from God. He is so close that he can flow in and through your life from one moment to the next, like the There's a great illustration of this in the book of Genesis, the 28th chapter is where I'll be reading a few verses from. It's about Isaac, who had two sons. When they were born, the first born was red, covered in hair, so they named him Esau, which means hairy. As he was coming out of the womb, though, his brother's hand was grasping his heel, and so they named him Jacob, which means heel grabber or deceiver. That name truly described Jacob's character. He spent his younger years working all the angers, taking angles, taking advantage of every situation for his own benefit, often at the expense of his brothers, even if it meant deceiving Esau and his father to try to get his way. As Esau, or as Isaac grew old, scripture says he became blind asked Esau, who was his favorite, to go hunting and to prepare his favorite meal. Afterwards, Isaac promised that he would give Esau his blessing, which was the birthright of the firstborn. Esau and Jacob's mother, Rachel, was eavesdropping, and her favorite was Jacob. And as soon as Esau left, she got together with Jacob. They concocted a scheme on how to fool Isaac and take the blessing. So dressing Jacob in Esau's clothing to present the smell of Esau, they prepared a special meal for Isaac, which Jacob then took into to him. He deceives Isaac and steals his brother's blessing. When Esau returned and discovered what Jacob had done, he's so angry he vows to kill his brother. And soon afterwards, Jacob flees to live with his uncle for a time and hope that his brother would pull down. For his entire early life, Jacob lived for Jacob. God really wasn't in his mind, and all that was about to change.
because as he's fleeing from Esau, he stops for the night. He has a vision of a ladder going up into heaven with angels ascending and descending from it. And God spoke to him in that vision and told him, beginning in verse 13 of Genesis 28, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All people on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you, God said, until I have done what I have promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. How awesome Surely the Lord is in this place. We're just not aware of it. We're not aware of it because we're so caught up in our own affairs. We're blind. The psalmist said the whole earth is filled with his glory. He's in your home. He's with you at work. He's at the beach with you. He's in the theater. He's with you while you're shopping or talking to your neighbor or walking through your neighborhood. He is with you whether you realize it or not. He's promised it. His word has declared it over and over again. Theologian R.C. Sproul said he was once asked by a friend, what is the big idea of the Christian life? What's the overarching, ultimate goal of the Christian life? Sproul told him, the big idea of the Christian life is Coram Deo. Coram Deo, he said, captures the essence of the Christian life. The phrase literally refers to something that takes place in the presence of or before the face of God. To live Coram Deo is to live one's entire life in the presence of God, under the authority of God, to the glory of God. To live in the presence of God is to understand that whatever we are doing and wherever we are doing it, we are acting under the gaze of the presence of God. Before the veil, before the face of God. That's the big idea. And next to that idea, all our other goals and ambitions become his priorities. Another writer described Corindeo as the delightful, thrilling, awe-inspiring, beautiful, biblical vision of that, this most common of God's promises that I will be with you is frequently attached to the most common command in the scripture. It says, the Lord himself goes before you and I will be with you. He will never leave you, never forsake you, so therefore do not be afraid. The greatest promise, I will be with you. The greatest command, don't be afraid. If God is with you, there's no reason to fear you. God's with you, there's no reason to get discouraged when things aren't working out as you plan. If God is with you, there's no need to worry when facing uncertainty. Just consider some of the imagery Scripture makes to this point. Jesus himself said, He is as near to you as the vine is to the branches. He's as present with you as God is present with the temple. He's as intimate with you as a husband is with a wife. And he's 
is devoted to you as a shepherd is to the sheep. He is Emmanuel, which is God with us. Do you realize that this fact that God is with us, it ultimately sets us apart from everyone else? In Exodus chapter 33, feeling overworked and underappreciated, Moses has a meltdown. He begins complaining to God. God said, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And Moses answered, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. For how will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? For what else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on this earth? Moses wasn't upset about not having enough food to eat or drink in the wilderness. At this point, he wasn't upset at the people's constant grumbling and complaining. What was upsetting him was the possibility of losing the presence of God, knowing that it was that alone that he said set us apart from all the other people on earth. Now, the world's full of motivational speakers, engaging speakers. There are all types of social causes to support humanitarian agencies, educational institutions, the world can do really most, if not almost all of what we do, often better because they have bigger budgets, shrewder marketing, splashier promotions, more streamlined organizations. Next to Hollywood, our productions can look rather feeble, and our music can sound simple and ordinary. The one thing we have that the world does not have is God with us. It's that which sets us apart. He goes before us. So what holds us back from following? The psalmist said, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride on the wings of the morning, if I dwell on the farthest by the farthest ocean, even there your hand will guide me. Borrow an idea from Max Lucado, put it in a different light. He wrote, For years I viewed God as a compassionate CEO and my role as a loyal sales representative. He had his office and I had my territory. I could contact him as much as I wanted. He was always a phone call or a fax away. He encouraged me, rallied behind me, and supported me, but he didn't go with me. At least, co-laborers, God and I working together? Imagine the paradigm shift this truth creates. Rather than report to God, we work with God. Rather than check in with Him and then leave, we check in with Him and then follow. We're always in the presence of God. We never leave church. There's never a non-sacred moment. His presence never diminishes. Our awareness of His presence may fall But the reality of His God in all kinds of ways and experiences and feelings and a certain style and looking for results. But Coram Dale, he is present with his people. I've heard it said that what sets great sculptors apart from their peers is that before they even set chisel and hammer to stone, they've learned to stop and study the marble in depth until they're able to see an image trapped within it, waiting to be released. 
their role is to simply see what others have missed and set it free. I've known a few, not many, few believers. I'm familiar with a few writers and speakers whose life is like that with God. They've learned to wait and to watch. And you talk with them and they can identify where God is present and happening. What sets them apart is their ability to seek God. And they will tell you that just like Waldo and the stereogram, it gets easier to see with practice when we start looking for God and we keep at it. Because it's never going to be that He's not with us. practice called examine, which believers have found helpful for centuries to help them do just that. It's simply taking a few minutes, either at the end of the day or at the start of a new one, to stop in silence and look back over the previous 24 hours, praying through events, running them through your mind, to look for where God was present with you during that time. It doesn't start easily. It may not seem anything at first, but with perseverance and practice, Many saints through the ages have said this helps them identify where God is present. One of the things that came out last week as the mission team shared from our trip to Taiwan was that for each one, in going, they experienced God and saw God at work in their ways. Because we see, we experience God when we go. Why? Because we're far more likely to be looking for Him, expecting to see Him when we're going out to than when we're simply sitting at home going through the same normal routine. If we never go, if we never get out of our comfort zone and just keep doing the same things in the same way, we're going to come to the same results. If you never actually step out and use your faith where you actually have to put your life and your trust in God in the process, you may well miss seeing just as Job said, when he passes me, I cannot see him. When he goes by, I cannot perceive him. Because faith itself must be exercised in this world. And it's not that God isn't present, because it is Coram Deo, the presence of God. But here at home, it's easy for us all to get distracted. It's so much easier to go out with a friend, to sit, eat lunch while talking with them, and ignore the person waiting on us. But as we heard last week, if we're intentional in going and anticipate God being with us, we may well find the opportunity to get to know that person who's helping us in the restaurant. In the process, we see God at work when they come to church for the very first time in their life when they bring a friend with them. It's so much easier here at home to get busy with our work and our schedules and not even think about looking for God. But if we become intentional in going and looking, we may take time to leave a note of encouragement for the person who makes up our room in the hotel and touch their life as Lorna shared about what happened in Taiwan Church. It's easy for us to get lazy and turn on the TV when we're at home. It's so much easier, certainly, than making an effort to go out and talk to someone about the Lord and to invite them to church. But if we would get out of our comfort zone, we may well discover that God is present with us. 
God is always present and active in my life, whether I see him or not. Coming to recognize and experience God's presence is a learned behavior. I can cultivate it. My task is to meet God in this moment. I'm always tempted to live outside of this moment. When I do that, I will be Sometimes God seems far away for no reason. I do not understand. But those moments, too, are opportunities. When I fail, I can always start again right away. No one knows the full extent to which a human being can experience God's presence, and that's okay. My desire for God ebbs and flows, but His desire for me is always mine. Every thought carries a spiritual charge that moves me either a little closer to me or a little farther from God. Every aspect of my life, my work relationships, hobbies, errands, and the events, genuine interest in My path here to experiencing God's presence will not look quite like me. Father, we know from your promises, we know from your word, not a doubt that you have said you will be with your people, regardless of the storms we may face, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the feelings, regardless of anything else, you have said, I am with you always. Help us, Lord, to live with that awareness, we pray, to know down in our hearts that you are with us, no matter what, and to live with that awareness. Would you all please stand? Our hymn of commitment this morning is rejected here, but it is an invitation. If you have not experienced or don't have that confidence that your life is lived in the presence of God, have not experienced that promise for yourself that he is with you, this is an invitation time for you if you would like someone to pray with you show you how you can have that assurance. To stand at the front, to welcome and to share and pray with anyone who would like to.